You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Just nonsense, Tony. A nice, easy question for your first off here. Aguero's out the door. It's nonsense. It is. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And with me this week are three commanders in their field of expertise. One is a commander in the music industry. One, making his debut today, is a commander on the cricket field, and one is simply a commander of the British Empire. So welcome to Swing Out Sisters, Andy Connell. Good evening. Uh, a welcome, and making his debut, to a Lancashire County Cricket Club and Surrey County Cricket Club ex-paceman, Tony Murphy. Welcome. Nice to be here. And welcome back to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, good to see you. Uh, now, I played in the same football team as Rob Behrens, and I played in the same cricket team as Tony Murphy. Andy, you and I need to play a gig together sometime. Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> Chess? No, those are my two sports, yeah? really. Okay. <laughs> maybe, I thought I was thinking a gig maybe we could do. No, we don't do those things anymore. No? That's all gone, <laughs> is it? Those, those, those times have I passed. I love your introduction, this thing, like I'm in the music business. We, I looked it up. Last time we, had, we bothered the charts in any meaningful way, Peter Reed was the manager of the <laughs> So that should give you a clue as to... You're still that. writing and performing music every day of your life. We I know am. that. And uh, so, Murph, let's start with you, my friend. We did play way back when, just for those who are interested, at Cheadle Cricket Club in the county of Cheshire. We played in the same side. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I'm thinking probably 80s, early 80s. Well, I even I played there in the 70s, I have to say, but I think that was probably a bit before your time. But I definitely played there in the 70s. Yeah. So uh, welcome to your first Man City Show podcast. What we tend to do with new people is say, kind of, first game, first memories. I guess it's going to be Main Road. First game you went, who are the heroes of the day? Do you, can you remember back that far? Definitely. Um, I was a fan for quite a few years, but Dad would never let me go. <laughs> he felt it was uh, a little dangerous in those days for a young lad to go on his own. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but Dad was the other side mm. and so wasn't interested in taking me there. And from memory, I think your brother is as well, isn't he? We won't mention it, him. He's the other side as well. We yeah. try and keep them as the black sheep of the family. Yeah. Uh, so I finally got to go. It was um, when I was 11 years old and it was the Chelsea game. One that we won and my hero of the time, Franny Lee, two goals. 
Fantastic. Superman. And of course, in that in that day and age, you had Colin Bell, Mike Summerby, Corrigan in there. You know, that was a top side. It was. And, and we were just chatting before we went on air. I think uh, Rodney Marsh played in that side as well, which was a, it must have been a thrill. Yeah, I mean, as I say, the, the great thing in those days, we'd, we'd just come on the back of a few trophies. The ones down the road weren't doing quite so well, so it was a great time to be a Blue. Fantastic. And still is today. And uh, is just indeed. on the cricket front, just to remind people, obviously Cheadle is where we met. You went on mm-hmm. to play for Cheshire and then Lancashire and then you were crap there, so you were shift off to Surrey, I think. Is that how it Absolutely. I, I looked at it that Lancashire, unfortunately, have red in their colours, so I'd better go somewhere else. Mm. <laughs> and sort of just to give us an idea, sort of games you played on, on the county circuit, you played a few and got a few wickets. Do you, do you know your stats? Do you remember? Oh, vaguely. I, I played about 100 first-class games, similar amount of one-day games. Um, my international career consisted of Brazil, Malaysia and Holland, so I don't think any of them count. <laughs> um, and wickets was, yeah, a few hundred wickets and maybe a hundred one days. Runs, yes, we'll leave that one. <laughs> <laughs> Never got a first-class 50, I think it's fair to say. 27 or something, was it, your top score? In- no, 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 I did a bit better than that. Did you? Uh, I got a 39, I think, was my top score against Gloucester. Yep. But my favourite, and I must tell you this, Please. was against Australia. I got 24 not out at the Oval, including hitting Warney for two consecutive sixes out of the ground. Well, that's... Uh, so can... I'll, I'll rest on that. I don't need to do any more. <laughs> we won't. Well, listen, it's great to have you on the show. Great to have another blue. Uh, and uh, listen, uh, we're here to talk about two fascinating games uh, to cover since our last show. Uh, the 4-0 win at West Ham and the 2-1 at home to Swansea. But before we do the game, before we talk about the game specifically, can I talk about some of the issues first? And, and, and the obvious one. Um, is, you know, we've had some strikers, you know, Trevor Morley, Joe, Wilfred Bonney, Rocky Santa Cruz. Um, and, and, and is Gabriel Jesus going to be better than any what, of those, do you think? He's not, he's not in that company. No, sure. Uh, Samaras, he's more on that kind of level, I think. <laughs> he's impressed you, Andy? Yes, he has. Oh, of course he has. He's, in, he's enormously impressive. But um, two games do not, uh, you know, there's a lot of water to go under that bridge. And I think what you, what's been great is that he's come straight in, you know, at, at 19 and just seemingly acclimatised immediately in the way that um, Sane, for example, or Zane, is, is only just now, maybe he's had injuries and whatever, but I think the two of them together, th- that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, Sterling, the trident, is, um, is wonderful. He's, he's, the, he's the piece of the jigsaw that we've been missing for a long time. You like the look of him? I think he's scintillating. He energises the team. Um, there's nothing he won't do. He's... Uh, He's he a hasn't poc- been in net yet. He's a he's a well. <laughs> It'd be great though. <laughs> he, he's a pocket battleship, but it's very early days, and uh, you know, <clears throat> the, so many city supporters are self defeating. They want to stab themselves in the back, thinking that there's an issue about uh, whether Aguero is displaced by someone who's aged 19, plays two games very well. I mean, that, that's just nonsense. Just nonsense, Tony. A nice, easy question for your first off here. Aguero's out the door. It's nonsense. It is nonsense. It, any professional side, you've got to have the up-and-coming starlet. You've got to have the old-season pro. We're lucky that we've got one of the best old-season pros in that position in the world. And we've got one of the best young starlets mm. in the world. So we, we're on a win-win situation. I think you could turn around and offer either of those to any team and they'd take your hand off. And that's the way you have to look at it. 
It's going to be a challenge, isn't it, for Pep, though, to keep both of these happy? Yeah, we've got Europe to come, and we're still in the FA Cup, and league games come thick and fast, and obviously he'll have to rotate, and he's got a history of rotation. But to I, keep I don't two- think it is a challenge. I think it'd be more of a challenge not to have that backup, you know, because with, all, with the best one in the world, Nacho, we, we all want him to do well, but he, he's not quite there for me at that level, you know, Champions League and the rest of it. We've been desperate for that kind of cover, for another person, you know, if Aguero can't play. And all these stats about we do better when Aguero isn't in the team. I mean, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. You know, he doesn't play well in June. <laughs> so, you know, but it's nonsense. It's, I, I do think, I think it's a media construct as well. I think there's, if, there's just anything they can do to take away from the fact that we were brilliant. Is, um, oh, no, now there's another crisis because Aguero might leave. Well, I don't know where that's come from. He hasn't said that. All he said is very kind of vaguely... Uh, you know, the vague comments about the fact that he'll see at the end of the season, which is perfectly reasonable. Can, can you see them playing together? Can you see any games where Pep's actually going to, I don't know, to go three at the back uh, and actually sort of play both Jesus and uh, Aguero up front together? That would be an exciting I, I think pr- so, proposition. Because I think you'll have Aguero up there and maybe he'll put to Aguero slipping back a bit. You know, he's got so many opportunities up there. If you get Sterling or Sane gets injured... You've got still got your top three up there that are going to destroy people with Kevin Silver behind. And that's without Yaya. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things that strikes me, particularly against uh, West Ham, was that when they'd lost the game, they set out to clobber mm. uh, City's young talent. And that's going to happen. They weren't quick enough to do it, but it's going to happen. Mm. So you can't just rely on Sterling, Jesus and uh, Sane. Who, who is also, you know, having a, a purple patch. Uh, they've got to have backup. And, and what's great is that uh, Jesus looks as though he could play anywhere across the front line. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, he, you know, him and Aguero, it's, it's uh, mouth-watering. Mm. But, but picking up on that, that Sterling, Zane and Jesus... What an exciting prospect for, for years to come, because they're, what, 19, 20, 21, mm. something like that. I mean, potentially, this is just scintillating stuff, isn't it? Over, over potentially, a number of years. This is what well, we've been waiting for, isn't it, know, surely? This is the dream that keeps on giving. It started when we finally won the trophy after so many years. Then we start bringing a few more on board, and it's just getting better and better. As a City fan, you're not used to this, <laughs> but we are now. <laughs> My young lads, they've support City. They've only known success. And long may it continue. And I think we've got the building blocks there now to see this through. That's the hardest thing in any professional team is when do you know when the new people are ready? Mm -hmm. You don't wait till the old ones have fallen off the wagon. You've got to get the other ones in earlier. This is what he's doing. He's building a brilliant squad here. Seen a a better three in in the last sort of 20 years? Uh, What, what, in terms of City or just generally? Yeah, No, no. I mean, in terms of... Potentially, potentially. Obviously, exactly. I know it's yeah. as you said. It's only it's only three games in. Yeah. Isn't it, I think Tevez and whenever, whoever he was playing with, we, we we certainly had something dynamic in that era. And Silva's been all right with Aguero, hasn't he? Well, for me, the great thing of those three is that Silva has that extra yard that he, th- he thrives in. Now mm-hmm. you see, Silva becomes a different player because they're taking the things away, from people, dragging people away from him. Mm-hmm. And, and when we see Silva look tired and whatever, it's when they've got two guys on him constantly. Yeah. You know, which they can't do now. And Rob Silver and De Bruyne presumably have got more space, haven't they, as well, behind now as they well? They do. I mean, De Bruyne had a rare poor game on uh, Sunday. I don't think he, he, he was at his best, but it shows what very high standards he reaches. Mm. And he was playing, he was playing on the wing um, to, you know, sub- substituting with Sterling, which I thought was very interesting. 
And uh, so, yeah, it's sil- silver is consistently magnificent. Mm. And, you know, he really hasn't had the credit for it that he's now beginning to get. And that, that, that is seriously good. Can I throw one other name in? And, and that's Yaya, who, who we know has had a, an interesting season, again, <laughs> mainly thanks to his agent, I guess. You know, out of favour, sort of allowed back in. And since then, he's, he's you know, he's been... In, it, in a lot of games, you know, the, the, the single man holding mm. in midfield where he's been up against two or three others and done a, done a magnificent job. He's like a, a new man. He is. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's been tested. In this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if he's been tested uh, against, you know, somebody who would give him a, a real game. I mean, I think those last two games, West Ham, we love playing on that pitch. It's a massive, you know, it's a Champions League pitch. And Swansea didn't appear for 45 minutes. But when they did, I thought, I didn't think Yaya had a great, certainly second half. Mm. But yeah, he does look more Yaya-like. Tony, you were going to say about I was going to say that the perfect thing for me as a City fan is we come to partway through the season, we, the wheels have come off slightly, and uh, I was at the Crystal Palace game where Yaya turned up again, and there's two goals. Suddenly, we've got a brand new top-of-the-range player that's just come from nowhere without a transfer window. Mm. What's not to like? (laughs) (laughs) At the other end, uh, something we've been asking for on this podcast, not me, but a number of people have been asking for, uh, and many City fans' dream has come true uh, in the shape of Willy Caballero. Um, And that that decision, I have to say, surprised me. I thought Pep was going to stick to his guns. He clearly had shipped Hart out. He'd made the decision to bring Bravo in and had been sticking with him and, and something's happened there the, has the pressure just got too much or why has why he now made that decision well it shows that um, Pep may be a great manager but he, he's not right about everything and the, the test of a really impressive leader is to know when you've done something wrong and to do something about it now Bravo became in the words of our colleague a, a hologram you know he, he he was no longer useful in goal and caballero has restored confidence in, in the defense although interestingly i i may be wrong but when i was there on sunday i thought it took 23 minutes for caballero to touch the ball mm-hmm. uh, so so forceful were city but he made one wonderful save which mm. which uh, could have turned the game on its head so so it's good that it's happened it gives at least bravo the chance to uh, restore his his batteries and to, to get over the dreadful start that he's had. And do you think the fact that we've changed the keeper and we've kept a number of clean sheets, that isn't a coincidence? Do you think that has given the team the, the back four confidence to, to have a proper shot stopper there? Well, straightforwardly, clean sheets give you confidence. I don't know if they're clean sheets that have been down to him I mean, he, he did make a magnificent save in that game. But. He did, but sorry to interrupt, but my, my question is, it just gives the team confidence, knowing that you've got a guy who's more likely to stop it than maybe Bravo, we know what the statistics are. He, he's not a shot stopper. Yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, he's not done anything wrong. He's not done anything particularly right. I thought his distribution's been good, actually. Um, you know, the thing that Bravo was brought in to do, I think Caballero, was, for me, feels like he's better at doing it than Bravo, but um, it's, a, you know, it's a matter of... Uh, interpretation but um i don't i'd like to see a game where there was you know lots of chances at either end and somebody make a name for themselves you know in the way that hart has done in the past where you just thought he's he's kept us in the game or he's he's won us the game neither bravo or caballero have done that for me yet i mean one that save apart 
being sort of your debut, you've not had an opportunity to join in this mm. ongoing debate about Bravo versus Joe, etc. So here's your opportunity to give us just some, some reflections on the whole sort of situation. We won't spend too long on it. I thought uh, you were going to let me off with this. No, <laughs> but I'm interested in your view. Because no, um, some people have said, no, we should have stuck with Bravo. Others said, you know, Joe should be back. Others saying, I mean, there's obviously different, different shades of opinion. I'm just interested in, in your view. I was always a Joe Hart fan. Um, anybody, I think, who's got that presence in the net, uh, I liken it to what Michael did. You mm. know, just somebody that you know you can rely on, very much as you were saying there. Um, I suppose I'd throw it back in. I don't know if Bravo was the right person to do what Pep wanted, um, or has he just not adapted to playing at this league? Maybe he can do that. Maybe for some reason he's just not got into it. Maybe he does need, as you said, a lot of games where he has more touches of the ball. Mm. Perhaps he just doesn't get enough to come through it. I don't know. I'm not a fan, but um, I'll go with the manager. He's not making too many bad decisions. One of the striking things about Sunday was how well John Stones played and collar off beside him. And you can't say that too many times this season. So you, you do have to look at the defence as a whole, not, not just the goalkeeper. Well, listen, thanks for that. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back straight after this. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Hello from the Geek Town Radio podcast, a show that gives you the latest TV, film and gaming news all from a UK perspective, plus the latest UK premiere dates and a ton of interviews from people such as Suits Lewis Lit, Rick Hoffman. It's crazy. The whole thing's crazy. To gaming royalty like Troy Baker and Nolan North. Would you really take a bullet from me? Uh, well, no, that's that's the acting. <laughs> from behind the scenes people such as the directors of smash hit US comedy Veep. We love Geek Town. My kids wear your t-shirts. To screen legends. Hello. Such as Mr. George Decay. Star trekking across the universe. For all this and more, come join us on Geek Town Radio, available to download every Tuesday from your usual podcast supplier and from geektown.co.uk. Uh, welcome back. Let's let's start the second half with something really positive. A fantastic very, very confident 4-0 victory uh, at the magnificent London Stadium. Rob, what, what gave you most pleasure about that, that tremendous result? It was a masterclass from Sterling, Jesus and Sane together. Uh, so fluid, so confident and completely bossing it. What really gave me the most pleasure was Glenn Hoddle having to uh, swallow his words about uh, Pep and about uh, City not being good enough. And it was really encouraging to hear uh, that he had to backtrack on that. Because we've had, and I've said this before a number of times, we've had 45 minutes of games where we played well, where we dominated. But this is, the, I think, probably the first time this season where for 90 minutes we completely dominated. Uh, clearly, mm. <laughs> that's all obvious for all to see. What, what gave you most pleasure, Murph? I think it was the speed and the pressing. When we know that that's what Pep wanted to, us to do, and to actually see it all come together, not just for little flashes or a couple of touches, but to just so completely dominate another Premier League side to you know, virtual extinction. They just did not know what to do. 
what, what options did they have? They could never get the ball out of their half. They had the choice to try and kick us up in the air and try and relieve the pressure, but it was just absolutely relentless. And I think the confidence that you could see flowing through the mm. team, that must be the bit that Pep took most from mm. because they're buying into it now. They're starting to see it. And I'm sure all the players would have said, great, 10 wins at the start. Oh, things aren't quite working. Are we sure we're doing the right thing? Mm. But we're seeing the benefits, I believe, in the last couple of matches. Mm. And Andy, it, was, it wasn't just when we had the ball. It was kind of, we had kind of both. It's when we didn't have the ball as well, that pressing, well, getting that, the aggression of getting the ball That's a back. good point, I think, because the, the, um, this weekend as well, similarly, I thought for the first 45 minutes, I, I just thought we were completely unplayable in the same way. But it was similarly because they didn't come out. But we, we found a way to play a team that doesn't come out now, which is good. But I th- like you say, for me, it was everyone was, you know, the, the Pep thing is uh, Barcelona. That's how they play the game. But for me, there was a, there was a bit of Bayern in, the, in those games. There was a bit of us, as soon as we lost the ball, straight at them again. Yeah. Straight in, not waiting around to see what happens, just closing them down. And we don't, we, we don't do that. We've never done that in the recent times. So if, that, was a, that was a big positive for me. Now, although we won on Sunday, and, and you were there, Rob, again, as, as you said, there were signs of the old city again, weren't there? Because, of course, we only scored one goal. We completely dominated that first half. We didn't score that killer second or third goal that we probably needed, and people were sort of getting worried, saying, here we go, and they'll get one on the break, which is what happened. And, and in, in a way, we kind of got out of jail a little bit with the... <laughs> With, with the winner, so so what what happened? Just just help us understand sort of what what happened there. Well, it, it it's nothing to apologise for to to score in the last minute of a football match because you know every minute counts and that's what United used to do mm. and uh, we did it and we've had it done to us. So you you praise uh, Jesus for, for for what he did. Uh, I'm critical of Pep for leaving the substitution until very late in the game when <clears throat> most of the crowd who, who are not terribly uh, supportive in, in these situations they tend to, to to shiver and freeze in these situations but we could see that, that Swansea were coming onto City and that we needed to do something to change the game and Pep didn't do that until 10 minutes before the end and I think he should have given Aguero more time uh, than the the ten minutes that he actually had, but when you consider it, Fernandinho was off the pace. He mm. hasn't played mm. for a few games, and and that really showed. De Bruyne didn't didn't play well, um, uh, and so it's a very satisfactory uh, result. And we need more of those. Help us understand the, or your views, Murph. I'm, I'm interested to know in terms of this was the first half in particular, where. Surely, with the talent we have, we should be finishing games off. And, and there's lots of examples of this throughout the season where we've dominated teams in the first 45 minutes, haven't taken all our chances, and then suffered the consequences at the end. It, it could easily happen. Clearly, it didn't. We're up to third, which is fantastic because other teams have helped us out this week. It's been a good week for City. But your thoughts about sort of our lack of finishing in that first half? You... It's a hard one to look at. You know, could we have had a penalty? Um... Great, a great save from Yaya's free kick. If we hadn't had um, shots on goal, what do we have, 10 attempts in the first half, mm. half of them on target? If you're not delivering that, then yes, you would start to worry. I think if you're constantly getting in the right place and delivering that, it will come. The next game, we could get three or four 
doing exactly the same. Yeah. I think I was more worried in the second half when if a side like Swansea can suddenly flip it round, mm. what can other sides do looking at that to think, well, they've suddenly found how to stop us. So I don't know what you think. Did we take our foot off the gas or did... Did they find a way to stop us? No idea, but Andy Connell has the answer. Excellent. Uh, well, <laughs> it's, I, they, they obviously had a game plan. They were going to they were going to hold in the first half, and then they were going to see what they could do in the second. Which we should be good enough to read that. You know, maybe not come out in the second half, but but it's this is the sort of Pellegrini, Pellegrini malaise that there was, which you didn't think he was acting. I didn't think he reacted enough to the situation we found ourselves in. Like very much like Rob saying, you look at the there was obviously a case. Something had to change there from our point of view. It wasn't the lack of will on the players' behalf. It was something had changed tactically and we needed to address it and we didn't do that. I think we were were very lucky. I want to pick up your point about could we have had a penalty. I mean, once again, atrocious refereeing from the atrocious Mike Dean. I mean, it it is disgraceful that uh, Sterling was booked Mm. for that. It, It may or may not have been a penalty... I think it probably was. I think it was. But but the idea that that Sterling fabricated that is a nonsense. But if the referee thought it wasn't, and you said it, let's just let's just cover this because you know I'll have a view on this, <laughs> Mr. Behrens. So if the referee made that decision that, in his opinion, it wasn't a penalty, then you can understand why he cautioned the player. He 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 didn't know what to do, and he he consulted the linesman. Which is good refereeing. Well, it may be, but it shows that he wasn't absolutely clear himself. I mean, I think it was a conceited thing to do. and uh, Unlike him. Uh, <laughs> not wishing to support <laughs> referees who don't support us. But, you know, one thing we talked about is the pace of our top three. Yeah. If you're a poor old referee, how are you going to keep up mm. with them? Which is what, you know, we're finding is that the game is 10 yards, 15 yards ahead of them if we're breaking at pace like we are doing. I thought that was an interesting point De Bruyne made after the West Ham game. You know, watching the three of them, he said, you know, that we're having trouble keeping up with them now. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, can we have a moment uh, of sympathy for Sterling, who gets criticised for not going down when when, when, uh, he plays against Tottenham Hotspur? He goes down uh, in the game against Swansea and gets booked for it. I mean, (laughs) and then you see Mata, who completely sighs an opponent and, oh, it's it's one Mata there. He's not that kind of player. No, he's not that kind of player. I mean, these referees are pathetic. But it's consistency, and to try and find the commentary from either of the two um, channels that delivers it, they've both got their little ref in the uh, yeah. in the shed, mm. but they seem to go missing whenever we need a decision explaining, that yeah. they're always there for the other ones. But look, maybe the, I'm just biased. No, I don't, right. Not to get too heated about that, but look at the match of the day coverage. Mm. They're going on about the free kick that was taken from five yeah. yards back from... You're, you're arguing about a free kick that's taken too far back, <laughs> but you don't re-show the, the penalty incident. It's, it's just bizarre. That's enough venting. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I could spend the next 15 minutes talking about referees, but I don't think we need to. I think we should talk about City, who were fantastic against West Ham, who were brilliant in the first half against Swansea, with three very exciting uh, attacking force, with three exciting young, young, talented footballers. That's what I think I'd concentrate on. But very happy to continue this conversation off air, Mr. Behrens, with you, <laughs> if you're going to continue in this vein. <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, what's happened to uh, Nolito then? Disappeared off the face of the... He's not injured, is he? He's resting. He's resting. Yeah. You mentioned Ihenaccio. We've got Nolito. All these sort of... They're all, they're all finished, aren't they? Ship them out. 
at the end of the season. All EK gone as well. Say again. Gunned again as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, he's, he's, he's. I know he's injured, but yeah. You know, where does we, he fit We're back? still fighting on three fronts, aren't we? And mm. you need cover in all positions. That's you know, it's very straightforward. I, I'd like to see a little bit more. I think we're almost. Set, you can see that if we could settle on a team there, you know, certainly up front I don't know about the defence but that you start to see that there's a team emerging rather than a rotation system but uh, I would like to see the, the you know the peripheral players get more of a go I mean Navas where's he mm. the other on, on, the ben- on the bench yeah impact sub it is one of the the best things about the West Ham game was that company survived mm. all game he looked strong mm. he looked like a leader which is we don't have too many of those and hopefully he comes back into the reckoning. He was now. great at Palace as well. Mm. So, uh, so what is our strongest defence? Uh, do you obviously you talk want? about this every week? Well, so. no, we don't. <laughs> well, we try do three, three at the back or four at the back. So, so the, the problem is, I think, in, in the centre-back situation, surely it's got to be Stones and Company, hasn't it? I, w- I would have thought. You would have thought like, so. If, you know, mm. the both, if Company's now fit and Stones has got... With, with Caballero behind, as I've I'd said... I'd Stones and Otamendi, personally. Would you? Yeah. I no, they're... Uh, Vinny and Otamendi. Sorry. Right. Okay, so you'd have you'd have Otamendi ahead of Stones. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Rob? No, I I think uh, Company and Stones is the dream partnership, and uh, I think uh, Otamendi doesn't understand how to tackle from behind, or rather, how how to he play the ball when that. someone's <laughs> ahead of him and gives away too many. Uh, free kicks. He doesn't have a football brain, as far as I can see. Uh, and Kolarov is. But he's not a centre back, is he? he let's be he's honest. He's not a centre back. So let's talk. Taking your point, Tony, it's on your on your first appearance, and you're now chairing the meeting, which is fine. Oh, as it's allowed. You got to try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the issue is, is our sort of four fullbacks all over thirty, of course. So, mm. so so you kick off then with who would you have at left back? You have got Clichy and Kolarov, I suppose, our standard left backs. Who, who would you go with? I'd go with the pace because we're, we're looking to be a fast team across the park. I would like to see that pace. I'd like to see the Fernandinho stroke Torre in the holding role. And for me, it is Stones and company who are in there. Exactly the same reason as you said, in that I think Otamendi, uh, he's got some good points, but he spends too much time on the ground. Uh, You can't just keep diving in. Uh, Every time you see him going up for, or when I see him running up to a tackle or something, I'm thinking, for God's sake, man, stay on your feet. If you go down and get it wrong, we're down to 10 men or... (laughs) And that's always my concern. But I would, I would just look for the pace in the wing backs and the, sorry, back guys. And, and what about the full backs? Then Let, let's go to the, the. So they're the two centre backs. I think Andy, you've you've missed out on that. I think we've. Uh, what, full, I, I do think I, I don't like to uh, victimise people, but I do think that it's time for Clichy to uh, step aside now. It's been, mm. There's too many holes there when he plays. There's too many people get through on that side. I mean, I don't know what the answer is because Kolarov. I love Kolarov, but I'm not sure he's a full back. <laughs> no. Are you cliche or collar off at left back if you had a choice? If, that's, cliche, if that's, you're going cliche, Rob? Well, it's not an enviable choice. And, <laughs> it's uh, the only one we got. Yeah, so I pass on that one. <laughs> and Can we not have Aguero in there? <laughs> Sanya and Zaba then on the other side, just to complete the picture then. Who's, uh, who's the right back? I love Zaba. <laughs> we all love Zaba, but the legs aren't quite what they no, used to be. That's the problem, so it, it is. 
but I think the heart wins over on that one. Let's look forward then. Let's look forward to the next uh, three games. Uh, and the nice thing is we've got a bit of a gap between. So we've got Bournemouth on Monday away. And you'd like to think we're on a bit of a roll and they're struggling a bit. That's that game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's the, we think, yeah, we're confident, but I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's certainly a banana skin, potentially. But um, I wish we were playing... Arsenal or someone, you know, where we'd have to just focus and raise our game. And I mean, we will be soon, but yeah, I don't know. You did, honestly, you always know. You've always got that nervousness about you. Well, I'm, I'm a city. I'm older than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I know the old city team, but um, I think Bournemouth. It's just a team I don't know much about, to be honest. And that's probably why I'm. I mean, I watch them play, and I, even when I've watched them play, I don't know much about them. They, they seem very organised and. Three consecutive promotions, young English manager, featuring yeah. the manager, started brilliantly and it's dropping a bit like a stone. What's, there's a statistic which I haven't got in front of me, but something like they've conceded three goals in the first half of the season and 143 in the second half of the season. Good. It's, kind of, it's, it's, it's not quite... I don't think the I'm liking what I'm hearing. But, it, but it's that sort of thing. So they're leaking goals at the moment. It's small pitch, isn't it, as well? Yeah. That would be my worry. Mm. More chance for them to sit back and make life very difficult. Um, but I think we'll be fine. Yeah, it's, as you said, they're spiraling downwards and uh, we're just starting to kick into overdrive. Perfect. I'm, I'm very perfect, positive. Perfect in the result for Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly. sort of things I know you don't do the... I'm not going to ask you, Rob. You don't do the, the prediction thing, do you, anyway? Do you have a view about the game? If no, I don't, if I don't very, ask you about a prediction, because you won't give me one. You're very kind to ask me. Uh, I, I think it's uh, something I look forward to with optimism now. I think they're beginning to demonstrate... Uh, that they're a better team in the second half of the yeah. season than they were in the first half. And so games against mediocre teams like Bournemouth, who are going through a very bad time at the moment, mm. that, that's an ideal opportunity to get uh, a good result. Because I'm with you. I think, you know, Andy, I can, I can understand why Andy's saying it's a potential banana skin, but I think actually the role that we're on and, and you know, they're spiralling down, I think potentially it could be... Uh, listen, who knows? We will be back I'm, here next just week covered, to discuss You know, it's that weird thing, isn't it? Because I was so positive about us against Barcelona mm. and I'm very nervous about us against Bournemouth. So that's just sitting <laughs> for you. <laughs> and uh, the, the interesting thing then is, of course, we've got Huddersfield away in the Cup with, with Monaco then the following week at home. So uh, thoughts about team selection, and let's not to talk about whether we'll beat Huddersfield or not but uh, it's going to be interesting with, with the games quite close together sort of what sort of lineup, what sort of changes how he's going to shuffle the pack if you like in terms of Huddersfield and, uh, and uh, Monaco thoughts, thoughts on that Rob? Well I, I wouldn't play the same team um, that plays at Huddersfield against Monaco I think so much of the season now depends upon making progress in the Champions League yeah. that you you have to put in a team that is rested and capable of trying to to batter Monaco who will be extremely difficult and and uh, uh, a much more formidable team than Huddersfield however good Huddersfield are so I, I would be inclined to play an FA Cup team different from first choice team to play against Monaco he doesn't want to change it too much does he because realistically the FA Cup's probably we've got a better chance of winning the FA Cup than we have the Champions League one could argue I personally do not think he will go in with that mentality I think that he's looking at there's a number of games left in the season he has now got 15 players that he's happy with and I think he will utilise them on a game by game basis not for a resting point of view, but looking at the opposition. Mm. I think that he's targeting all three at the moment. Of them, you'd have to say that Chelsea are 
you know, they are going to be hard to reel in. I'm not saying they can't be, but they're going to be difficult. But I think the other two cups, there's definitely silverware to be aiming for there. And I can't see how he would, you know, differentiate or, if you like, cut back on one. So, so Andy, finally then, uh, Rob's coming from the wholesale changes, very different side. Murph is saying 15 squad players just shuffle the pack a bit. Uh, You know, both have merit. I think I'd probably, you'd keep your key uh, Champions League names. I would put them, I'd have a very strong bench. You know, have have a kind of workman-like, good enough team with a very strong bench that if you needed half an hour to go, change the team, you know, and hope for the best. Because I I agree with Rob, I think think the priority there, it's unsaid, but I think the Champions League has to be a huge priority compared to the FA Cup. All right, well, listen, on that note, a huge thanks to my three guests here, with Andy Connell, to Tony Murphy, and to Rob Barron, CTID. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.